Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. Thank you for joining me today. I want to bring a message today as the high holy days of the Jewish festivals are upon us and the Day of Atonement is going to be the next one that will be coming up. I want to discuss the Day of Atonement and just leave you with a few thoughts from Scripture about this and some connections to our Lord Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, and how He fulfills that feast as well. In a coming day, it will be completely fulfilled. But let's look at how it connects to the Lord Jesus Christ at this time and glean what Scripture tells us. First of all, the details about the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, are found for us in Leviticus chapter 16, where God gives these original prescribed instructions. Let's first go to Leviticus chapter 10, and I want to read verses 1 through 3. It says this in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 through 3. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Now when we go to Leviticus chapter 16, let's understand why we read that to begin with. In Leviticus chapter 16, beginning verse 1, it says this, Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. This is the very thing we just read that happened in Leviticus chapter 10. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. So then God gives the connection to the backstory where the backstory of Leviticus 10 was that Nadab and Abihu thought they were some hotshots. They got impetuous. They were very irreverent toward God and his holiness. And so they died before the Lord. They had no reverence for God, and God was teaching them a strong lesson. God took it very seriously. The instructions then that God gives them is, first of all, you don't just come at any old time when you think you want to. I must be regarded as holy. I must be glorified. I must be honored and revered in your midst. Then if we continued reading in Leviticus chapter 10, it would go into the conduct and the lifestyle that God expected from his priests, the sons of Aaron, so that they would represent him correctly and reverence him as the holy God. So now God is dealing with this Day of Atonement, one of the festivals that Leviticus chapter 23 tells us about that's one of the feasts of the Lord. 
And God gives specific details here in Leviticus chapter 16. It was to be once a year. It was to be performed by the high priest that year. Aaron was the beginning high priest, and his sons would pick it up later throughout until we come to the high priest, Jesus, who is high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. But in the Old Testament, the instructions were given to Aaron concerning this. It was a high holy day, a very somber day, a very holy day. Aaron was to enter into God's presence behind the veil into the most holy place. It was the only day of the year when Aaron was allowed to do that. And no other person was allowed to be inside the tabernacle proper with him at any time. He had to be alone. Now, in the instructions, there were specific clothes that Aaron had to wear. And many have misunderstood this. So I want to clear this up right now. In verse 4 of Leviticus chapter 16, it tells us exactly what Aaron was allowed to wear. Verse 4, he shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. Now, you may have heard the story, the legend, whatever you want to call it, about Aaron would be clothed in the high priestly garments, the blue robed and the, the one that had the bells and the pomegranates on the bottom had the breastplate of judgment on it. And then he would have the high priest turban on his head. That is not true. The Bible specifically tells us here in Leviticus 16 verse 4 that it was not those garments. Those are called the golden garments. It was not those. It was not the bells and pomegranates, and he wouldn't be pulled out if he were to die before the Lord. That is not true. That's against what the Word says right here. There were other times in the service of the tabernacle and in the temple that the high priest would wear the golden garments that were only for the high priest to wear. And the Bible gives us instructions about those. But this was not that time, not on the Day of Atonement. And it's specified right here in Leviticus chapter 16, where God gives the specific and detailed instructions about this particular day and this particular ceremony. The scripture here tells us he was to wear the plain white linen garments that all the priests would wear. Now, I believe the reason for that is because when he was allowed to come into the holy presence of the holy God, he had to come in humility. He had to come in reverence. He had to come plainly with no frills, no decorations, nothing that would be appealing of the flesh. But he had to come humble and pure before the Lord. Then he was to bring certain offerings he was to bring a bull for a sin offering for himself and for the priesthood, the priestly line, those who would serve closest to God, serving in his temple and in his holy service. He was also to bring one ram for a burnt offering, which is the whole self-surrender. 
he was to bring two goats as part of the sin offering on behalf of the offense and the offender and its guilt and its shame. This was for the penalty of sinfulness and of the sinner. And he would cast lots for these two goats. One would be chosen for the Lord and one would be chosen for Azalel or for the scapegoat, which was a goat of departure where there was entire removal. It was a transference and a removal of those sins of the people. As the sacrifices were being offered before the Lord in his presence behind the veil, the blood of the sacrifice would be sprinkled on the mercy seat found there. It would be sprinkled seven times before the Lord. Now notice, with Jesus, he died on the cross shedding his blood, and his blood was shed from seven places on his body, on the altar called the cross. His two arms and hands, his two feet, his torso from the whippings and the beatings and the scratching and splintering on the cross as he would rise up and down. His head, the crown of thorns, was placed in his head to the place that it would pierce him and there was blood running down. And from his side, when the soldier pierced him and the blood, again, blood and water, flowed out from his side seven places on his body that the blood was shed from as matching the Day of Atonement when the blood had to be sprinkled seven times before the Lord. The blood was also applied to the altar of burnt offering. In Jesus' example, he fulfilled the altar of burnt offering when he let them put him on the cross and nail his hands and his feet The cross is that altar of burnt offering in the New Testament. It's what the altar of burnt offering was representing when the Son of the living God would climb on that cross, would allow them to nail him to that cross, and it was to consecrate and cleanse it for the people's sins. This is why Jesus had to be nailed to the cross. One of the reasons for the nails and the cross and the seven times seven places that his blood had to be shed from. Then the high priest would go back and deal with the scapegoat. The high priest had to transfer the sins of the people to the scapegoat, had to have a suitable man that would lead the scapegoat off away into the wilderness, into the desert, never to be seen again, to his death and to his destruction, the the scapegoats, to an uninhabited land. And that was representative of the sins being removed forever, done away with forever. God established this day of atonement. In verse 29 through 34, he says this, This shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month. You shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, The priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments, 
Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. So this was the pattern and this was the shadow of what would come given to them. It had to be done in the seventh month on the 10th day of the month after they have gone through what they call the 10 days of awe now where they're getting prepared for the Day of Atonement, and it's symbolic of repentance that they're being called to. And this was a mandated fast day. They could eat no food and drink nothing. They had to afflict their souls. It was also a high Sabbath. Depending on what day of the week it it fell, it didn't matter. It was always a high Sabbath, meaning that they were not allowed any work at all. This is fulfilled in Yeshua. He was the high priest. He offered the sacrifice of himself before the mercy seat in heaven. And we are forgiven. And he brought about our atonement because of his death, his resurrection, his own blood being shed for us. And I want to draw us to a close by concluding with a couple of final scriptures. First one is found in Hebrews chapter 9. And it's in verses 6 through 15. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6 through 15. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. All of this, the author of Hebrews is telling us, fulfills the Day of Atonement. He's referring directly to the Day of Atonement. He's talking about the blood of bulls and goats that were offered on the Day of Atonement. He's talking about entering the the most holy place behind the veil, 
on the Day of Atonement. He's talking about the blood being applied on the Day of Atonement. And every bit of this, he says, was fulfilled by Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. Jesus provided the once-for-all sacrifice that we understand in the book of Hebrews for all the sin of all the world. I have a series on the book of Hebrews if you would like more information about all the ways that Hebrews tells us that Jesus has fulfilled these Old Testament patterns and sacrifices and shadows. His blood is enough, and we find that especially evident through the book of Hebrews. The study is called Bridge to Excellence, a study of the book of Hebrews. If you're interested, you can look it up in the archives. Jesus' blood was enough. He cleanses from sin, atones us, brings us that cleansing and into a right relationship with God, and he has obtained for us eternal redemption. He is the one, according to John chapter 1, verse 29, that takes away our sins forever. He removes them and takes away the sin of all the world for all who will believe in him. As the Day of Atonement begins, let us realize the sacrifice and its effectiveness that was made for us by Yeshua, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us believe, if you don't know him yet, and you've not yet experienced what he did for you on the Day of Atonement to remove all of your sins, to cleanse you from your sins, and to cleanse your very conscience, removing your guilt and your shame. I encourage you to come to Jesus today. Come to him today and know him and his atoning sacrifice for you. Let it become real to you. He did fulfill that for you. And I invite you to call upon his name. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And he will. And he'll wash them away and make you brand new. I encourage you whether you do this maybe before or after the Day of Atonement ends, if you feel led as a free Christian, maybe even do it during the Day of Atonement, although I recognize the Jews are on a mandated fast. But let us remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the scriptures, we have one way of doing that, specifically mentioned to us in the ordinance of communion. And Paul, in Romans chapter 11, verse 25 through 26, tells us specifically this is a means of remembering our Lord's sacrifice on our behalf. And it's a means of thanking God for his awesome, gracious, and precious blood that was spilled for us as the sacrifice for our sins that has washed our sins away and been the eternal once for all atonement for us, not just covering our sins, but completely removing them. Praise be to God. I pray that on this day of atonement, that this might remind you that you may be reminded and be ever grateful and thankful to God for his beautiful sacrifice on your behalf. Thank you for joining me. I pray this has been a blessing to you and that you can join us again for more messages and studies brought to you through Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today in Jesus' name.